Now, if you'll please remain standing as we share in God's good word together. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged, and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Let me just look at you for a second. So good to see you. Uh, Welcome back to those of you who uh, we've missed over COVID, and it's just a great joy. It's been my joy all afternoon. People have been asking me, how are you doing, Pastor Mark? I'm great. Good to see everybody. It's so good. So good. It's just, it's a wonderful time tonight, and thanks for blessing me. We hope this blesses you. Uh, You know, when we were baptizing Rowan, um, the thing is, he's not going to remember that, um, probably, um, since he slept through it. Um, (laughs) But his family will. You will. And there will be a day that people talk to him about the day he was baptized. Now, in Jesus, I don't suppose, remembered his baptism either. But we celebrate that story tonight because of those around him who remembered and told the story and told the story again. And we come and celebrate it again tonight. So once you think about your first Christmas, do you remember your first Christmas? Well, no, of course not. Of course you don't. Because you were like, what, one? Maybe? We don't remember it. We, we rely on our community of faith, the people around us, to help us remember and know who we are. We don't know who we are on our own. It takes those who love us to, to teach us that, to know that. My first Christmas uh, looked like this. Aren't I handsome? There's a bundle of goo there. 36 days old. That's it. Now, my sister on the other hand, very cute, 26 months older. My mom here, my sister there, and my dad. John. And so I remember my first Christmas by the photos that are shared with me and my family. Uh, My dad now uh, is 87, and my mom is, you'll never know. That's how old mom is. And that's just how it works in our family. And so on my birthday, 35 days ago, I went by to see my dad. Mom and dad live about five miles south of here uh, and a really uh, wonderful group of people um, in their community. And so I stopped by to see dad. And um, it was one of those things where I I never know exactly how those conversations are going to go with dad when I see him. And uh, on my birthday, it was the best conversation I think I may have ever had with him in my life. And we just were together for about 90 minutes, a full hour and a half, just back and forth. And because it was going so well... I, I wanted to just know as much as I could in that moment. And so I asked him, I said, Dad, do you have a favorite scripture? What, what is, what's your favorite scripture? Uh, my dad was a pastor for more than 40 years. So I said, Dad, do you have a favorite scripture? You know what he said? Not really. <laughs> and then he thought, I could tell he was really thinking and listening to the Lord And he just looked just stone cold at me and he said, you know that God 
loves you is the main thing. And he came to earth to show you that. That's it, really. I was like, wow, I could have skipped seminary. That's it. And that, that's the whole deal. And I suppose that through this afternoon and this evening, there are folks who are here tonight that have never been in a church before. Uh, fewer and fewer folks in America uh, claim any kind of faith tradition at all. And if that's you, we want you to know you're welcome. And we love you. But more important than that, that God loves you. That's the main thing. And so tonight, in honor of my dad, I want to share you uh, his quote. That God loves you. That's the main thing. Doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, who you are. God loves you exactly where you are. There's nothing you can do about it. You don't have to change a thing. But because God loves you, when you receive that, it changes everything. That God loves you is the main thing, and he came to earth to show us that. That's it, really. So I was thinking about that first Christmas. And God could have come to us any way God wanted to. This is the creator of heaven and earth, the stars, the universe. And he sends an angel, Gabriel. And instead of sending the angel, Gabriel, to a queen or princess, God sent the angel to a young girl betrothed to a carpenter. Now, one of the things I love about Christmas are the, the little wooden creches with the little holy family, little nativities everywhere. I'm, I just love those. But I'm reminded that carpenter in Jesus' day, particularly in Israel, there's hardly any wood out there. So carpenter, more than likely, it, it doubles. It's one of those words that could be one of two things. It can be a carpenter like we think of carpenter, or it could also be a stonemason, which is more likely. And large. So a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to lead a trip to the Holy Land. Some of you all were there with me. Um, and we came across an archaeological dig. And, and what you're about to see is something that is not a replica, is an actual manger that's more than 2,700 years old. And I want you to see how good this is. Uh, at Christmas time, we sing, Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. And um, in Hebrew, the word for carpenter and stonemason are the same. And so uh, if you want to see what Jesus was probably laid in, uh, this is an actual original, not a replica, uh, trough from the year 722 B.C. or earlier, uh, some 2,739 years old. And you can see that this would be a great place to lay a baby. Um, it's good and sturdy. It's not going to fall over. And you might put some pads or a little pillow in there. And Jesus could have had a good night's sleep uh, in a horse trough. Now you can see how it would happen. Thanks. I like to call him Top Gun Mark. <laughs> Enough of him. All right. So um, the thing is that God goes to this little insignificant town in an unimportant province of the Roman Empire. And, and, and if you stay with us online on the 26th, you'll see this is all a part of God's plan because Jesus is a king. And his kingdom is at war with every other kingdom. And that's the way God kept him safe. He kept him hidden. For nearly 30 years. So he could grow up into the Messiah. He kept him safe from the Roman Empire. King Herod and all the rest. 
And so if, if you were to see this place or if you've been to Israel, you'll know that Nazareth is all the way up here in the north. It's by the Sea of Galilee, a really beautiful, lush area. And from Nazareth to Bethlehem is only 70 miles. It's not, it's not that, as the crow flies, it's not a hard deal. However, here's Samaria. And you may know that Jews and Samaritans did not get along. And they would not go through there. It's also pretty tough terrain. But because there was such hatred... They had to go the long way around. By the way, hatred still does that today. Still messes things up. So Joseph takes his uh, young betrothed, 12, 13, 14 years of age. And they go all the way across the Jordan River. And they go all the way south, uh, right here north of the Dead Sea. And they go across from Jericho. And then they get to this really dangerous stretch known as the Jericho Road between Jericho and Jerusalem. Then they drop down another five and a half miles to Bethlehem. Bet. Lehem, place of bread, is what that means. And so, this is a very odd place for God to show up. And, and yet, it was in just the ordinariness of life, an ordinary marriage, really. I mean, we think of it as quite um, extreme and, and odd that Mary would be so young and Joseph would be so old, but it wasn't odd to them and still not odd in lots of places in the world today. And so, the marriage would have been arranged by Mary's dad, by her father. And the thing about betrothal is it was actually legal. It was, it was binding, even though they weren't married yet. And so she, the girl, whoever it was, Mary in this case, is going to live at home for another year after her betrothal. And it was so important, in fact, so legally binding, that had Joseph died during the year that Mary lived at home, she would have been known as a widow and would have been treated as such, even though they'd never consummated their marriage. It's very, we don't have anything like that today. And so the marriage was sealed at the time of the engagement in ways that we don't really understand. But it was very, very serious. And so I love the way Eugene Peterson uh, puts it in the Message Bible. We get so familiar with the, the rhythm of the story of Christmas. So I want you to hear it anew um, from the message. He writes it like this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to the Galilean village of Nazareth to a virgin engaged to be married to a man descended from David. His name was Joseph. And the virgin's name, Mary. Upon entering, Gabriel greeted her, Good morning! Can you imagine that? An extraterrestrial, not a human, shows up and says, Good morning! That would freak me out. And then he says this, You're beautiful. You're beautiful with God's beauty. Beautiful inside and out. God be with you. And she was thoroughly, what's the word? Shaken. Well, I guess so. Wondering what was behind a greeting like that. But the angel assured her, Mary, you have nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear. God has a surprise for you. That's the understatement of the Bible. <laughs> right? Now, why is, it, why is Mary so shaken? Well, Mary is shaken or greatly troubled because an angel or possibly a demon appears before her. You have to get back into her mindset. She's going to be a 12, 13, 14-year-old Jewish girl. And those girls in that time had grown up with a story that every, every girl who got engaged or betrothed knew. It comes from the book of Tobit, a book that we no longer have in our Protestant Bibles. It's a part of the Apocrypha. And it had been written about 225 to 175 B.C., so at least 200 years old. Everybody knew this story, and it told of a jealous angel who appeared on a bride's wedding night to kill her groom. This is what they grew up with. It was a terrible story. Sort of like ghost stories that you would tell. 
And so in, in uh, Tobit, it actually reads like this. It says, on the same day, Sarah was reproached by one of her father's maids, for she had been married to seven husbands. And the wicked demon Asmodeus had killed each of them, all seven of them, before they'd been with her as is customary for wives. And so another woman in town, a maid, said to her, you are the one who kills your husbands. See, you have already been married to seven husbands and have not borne the name of a single one of them. Now imagine Mary, 12, 13, 14 years of age, and that's the story she knows. And she is now engaged, betrothed. And an angel shows up, and she's like, is that Osmodeus? Like, what, what's going to happen? This is very scary for her. So I, I want you to see this, that Mary's yes is all the more astonishing, given the context of the great fear of her life and for her life, both in this context and also being an unwed mother. That would get you killed in Jesus' day, particularly if it wasn't, you know, if it wasn't from... You're betrothed. And look at what Mary says. This is her response to all of this. Mary said, yes, I see it all now. I'm the Lord's maid, ready to serve. Let it be with me just as you say. That's the greatest prayer you can ever say. And Jesus is going to say something very, very similar to that. And the angel left her. And Mary said, I am bursting with good news, God news. I'm dancing the song of my Savior God. God took one good look at me, and look what happened I'm the most fortunate woman on earth, Mary says. If you're pregnant at 13, is that what you would say? And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the loneliness of his servant. Now, when people throw around this word favor in Christian circles today, it's not used like this, is it? Surely from now on, all generations will call me what? Blessed. Now, if I ask you uh, how you're doing, you say, well, I had a blessed Christmas. You know what that means? It means I got everything on my Christmas list. This is nowhere close to that. Very different what God is doing with favor and blessedness. To be blessed and to have favor is to be a part of what God's doing. It's not about things. New Testament professor Alan Culpepper says it like this. Mary, God's favored one, was blessed with having a child out of wedlock who would later be executed as a criminal. Remember, this is the first chapter. Easter's the other bookend, friends. Remember how this goes. And she's blessed. She's favored. And then Culpepper says this. He says, acceptability, prosperity, and comfort have never been the essence of God's blessing. The story is so familiar that we let its familiarity mask its scandal. What we gather around tonight is a scandalous story that God would come in flesh. No one had ever heard of that. Gods were gods and humans were humans. And here's the miracle, friends. The miracle of Christmas, why we gather here tonight, it was born through the willingness of ordinary people to obey God's claim on their lives. We're only here tonight because Mary, an ordinary girl in a no-place town, in a no-place section of Israel, said yes to God. It's the only reason we're here. We're here tonight because uh, an older man who thought this young girl that he was trying to take care of had stepped out on him. He chooses not to, you know, divorce her or to, to, you know, let whatever happens, happens to her. He takes care of her and he blesses her, even though it would have been a lot of shame in his life for that. And his... Ordinary, he simply said, yeah, I'm going to do what God asked me to do. That's the way it works. 
when ordinary people, when you and I, ordinary people, when we obey God, miracles happen. Miracles happen. That's the way it works. Then and now. So the most important thing, you ordinary people, and I mean that with all the love in the world, is that God loves you. God loves you. And this night, he came to earth to show you that. That's it. Really. That's it. Amen? Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.